Well, happy, happy Palm Sunday. You know, on the very first Palm Sunday, the people were really excited to see Jesus as he was entering into Jerusalem. They knew this famous rabbi, this healer, this miracle worker was somebody who was really important. So they took branches off the palm trees that lined this road that led into Jerusalem. And they laid those down with their coats so that the donkey that Jesus rode in on would actually walk in on a softer, a softer entrance rather than what he was walking in on on this rocky road. And that Palm Sunday, it was a celebration. It was a celebration a lot like today. At least that's our hope, that today would be a celebration of Jesus just like that first Palm Sunday. You know, throughout our series that we've been in, Eyewitness, the testimony of one who was there, we've been listening to the eyewitness testimony, the account from John, one of the apostles, the gospel writer, as he was traveling with Jesus for over three and a half years of the ministry. And John doesn't just tell us what happens. No, he doesn't. He has an agenda for writing. He wants you and I to arrive at the same place he arrived at when it came to who Jesus was. And the best way to do that is to give us the evidence. And so that's what he's been doing throughout this gospel, is telling us just what he saw. So John organizes this account that he writes of Jesus' life, and he does it by centering it all around these events that he called signs. These signs were unusual happenings that point to something, and that something was Jesus himself. And as it is in most every investigation, there are other pieces of evidence that we'll discover. And as we investigate today who Jesus claimed to be, we're going to see in our text, John 12, today's text, we're going to see that there's some key evidence that supports the claims that Jesus made. The night before he made this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jesus had a meal in Bethany, a quiet kind of gathering. And now today, he's entering into Jerusalem for the Passover feast, and this, this journey turns into a parade of a huge celebration. We pick the story up in John, the 12th chapter, verses 12 and 13. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Now, Hosanna... When it was first formed, that word originally meant, uh, it, was a, it was a term that meant, God, give us salvation. Save us now. Save us, we pray. But by the time that they were using it in New Testament times, that word just was a kind of a, a celebratory word of praise or joy. So keep in mind, though, that the original talked about salvation. They're shouting, give us salvation, Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. The crowd, it was kind of diverse that day. It was made up of a lot of people. Three specific groups were there, we know. 
First, there were those who were Passover visitors. They were from outside of Judea. They had traveled there for the Passover feast. And then there were the local people who had witnessed Lazarus's resurrection. And when they saw that Jesus was coming, they wanted to see what he would do next. And then, of course, there were the religious leaders who were there because they were concerned about what Jesus might do during the feast. At every religious feast, people had this expectation. They wondered first if Jesus would show. And then if he did show, would he do something miraculous like he'd done in the past? As he entered the city, it almost looked as though Jesus himself was actually trying to incite a revolution. You know, to establish himself as king there in Jerusalem. But that wasn't what he had in mind. It was the furthest thing from his mind. See, there was a piece of evidence found in this text. It's an Old Testament prophecy that Jesus fulfills as he enters into Jerusalem. And we read this. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. And that was just another term for Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. On a donkey's colt. 400 years earlier, the prophet Zechariah had prophesied that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem in this very nature. Look what he wrote in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy that day, and in doing so, he openly was announcing to the people that he truly was the King of Israel, the promised Messiah. And no doubt the pilgrims who were there, those visitors who were in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, they hoped that now he would defeat the Romans and set the nation of Israel free. He would soon set people free, but not the way that they had hoped. No, he would free people from the bonds of their sins. You know, initially, Jesus fulfilling this prophecy may not seem like a big deal because it's possible in some of your thinking that this was just a coincidence. Until we read John 12, 16. Listen to what John writes here. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Like fingerprints that might be found all around a crime scene, there are numerous other prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. So one might wonder, what are the odds that Jesus would be able to fulfill all of these prophecies about the Messiah? Well, there's a man by the name of Dr. Peter Stoner. He's the former chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena City College. Writing in his book, Science Speaks, explained the probabilities of one person fulfilling just eight prophecies that were made about the Messiah. 
Dr. Stoner writes this. We find that the chance that any man might have lived down to the present time and fulfilled all eight prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's a big number. In fact, it's that number. And I needed help today just to find out how big is that? That is 100 quadrillion. One in 100 quadrillion chance that Jesus would fulfill just eight prophecies. See, Dr. Stoner employed 600 researchers and they studied the probabilities of this. And they said that the chances of just eight of these prophecies being fulfilled made, these prophecies made 400 years before Jesus was born, all of them being fulfilled would be the equivalent of filling the entire state of Texas with silver dollars, two feet deep. Now, you know as well as I do, Texas is a huge state, right? So imagine filling the entire state with two feet of silver dollars and then taking one silver dollar and painting it with a red dot on it and then burying it somewhere among all those billions and billions of silver dollars. Imagine then blindfolding a guy and saying to him, you can travel anywhere you want in the state, but at some point, you're going to reach down and randomly grab one silver dollar. And what would the odds be that that guy would pick the one silver dollar you had painted with the red dot? Well, those odds would be the same odds as one person fulfilling these eight prophecies about the Messiah. And those eight prophecies being fulfilled in that one person. You see, the odds are astronomically against it. And yet, they were fulfilled through Jesus. That's how difficult it would be for one person to fulfill those eight prophecies unless unless it was by divine appointment. Unless that one person had supernatural, God-like abilities. See, Dr. Stoner goes on and he considers what are the probabilities of 48 prophecies being fulfilled in just one person? And he says this, we find the chances that any one man fulfilled all 48 prophecies to be one in 10 to the 157th power. That would be nearly impossible. And yet Jesus and only Jesus managed to fulfill all of them. You may be thinking, it's impossible that these prophecies might be fulfilled by, by someone else. Maybe it is possible that a, a great man or a great woman from history might be able to fulfill these prophecies. And you know the answer to that would be yes. They might be able to fill one or two of these prophecies. But you won't find anyone who fulfills all of the 61 major prophecies prophecies predicting the Messiah, except Jesus. So what are we to make of Jesus having fulfilled so many prophecies written hundreds and hundreds of years before his birth? Let me, 
Let me explain it this way. Do you remember the movie in 2002 called Catch Me If You Can? Leonardo DiCaprio played Frank Abagnale. He was a con man who had conned people out of millions and millions of dollars by forging checks. He, he pretended to be a commercial airline pilot and a, and a doctor and a, and, a, uh, and a lawyer, a prosecutor, and several other identities. And he was really good at it, doing all of that before his 19th birthday. Frank Abagnale might have been a good imposter, but eventually he got caught and he was exposed for the fraud that he was. The one thing about Jesus is he doesn't look anything like a more competent Fred Abagnale. In fact, he's not even in the same category because Jesus, Jesus isn't an imposter. You see, no imposter could ever beat such odds as those presented by these Old Testament prophecies. This evidence, Jesus fulfilling these prophecies, predicting who the Messiah would be. It's a game changer when it comes to evidence, when it comes to Jesus claiming who he was. When you see Jesus fulfilled all of these prophecies, we can make two conclusions. Only a divine being could orchestrate all of these events. And it makes all the sense that all of Jesus' other claims are credible and worthy of serious consideration. So when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, we should heed this as truth because of the overwhelming evidence that it seems to indicate that Jesus is, he is the Messiah that the prophets were talking about. You see, John included this parade of Jesus entering into Jerusalem because he wanted us to have all the facts and see all the evidence. If you've been tracking with us through this series, this verse will be very familiar. But John did all of this, wrote all of this, and he summed it up in one verse, John 20, verse 31. He said, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You know, throughout this series, you may have been following along with us, and there's a lot of questions that have come to your mind. And maybe you would love to talk more about who Jesus is and what the evidence shows about him. You know, we'd love to do that. If you uh, want to just go to Notes to Monty, all one word, notes to Monty at nccleX.org and send me an email. We'll connect. Or you can always call the church office and we can set up a time. Before we close, I want to say a few things about the current challenges that we're facing. As you know, the President's Task Force has recommended extending this social distancing for another four weeks which means until the end of April. You know, as Christians, we want to put our, do our part to help slow down the coronavirus and protect those most vulnerable among us. But it does complicate our lives 
a whole lot, doesn't it? Just so you know, we're here if you need us. And you can reach us. If you need help, we're here. We've actually redesigned our website to make it more, um, more you know, better to help serve and to respond to your, to your needs while we're sheltering inside. So check out www.nccleax.org and check out the new site. Also, if you're a senior and you need help or you know a senior who could use some help, we've actually developed a response team to help facilitate our seniors. Now, this team's there to help, you know, pick up groceries, run errands, that kind of thing, because we want our seniors to stay safe during this season. So if you need our help, go to the website and click on the help button. Looks just like this. Click on the help button, fill out the little, the little form there, or you, of course you can call us here at 859-299-1251. Let us know how we can help. I've found a lot of people I've been talking to who are afraid right now. They're stressed. They're filled with anxiety. And I just want you to know you can find strength in the Lord. Listen to what Isaiah writes. So do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We know that God is not wringing his hands somewhere in heaven because he's all knotted up, stressing out over the effects of the coronavirus. God is in control and we can trust him. We may not know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. It's God. Let's live by faith as though everything depends on him. And let's pray with urgency as though everything depends on us. And we're going to make it through this together with God's help. Everything does depend on him. But if you need somebody to talk to or to pray with, you can go to the website and hit that help button as well. We'd love to spend some time just talking with you. You need somebody, all you got to do is reach out. Well, finally... It's hard to believe, but Easter is next week. And Easter is going to be like no Easter we've ever experienced before. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be good. It's, I think it's going to be awesome. But it's going to be very different. Because, because of all the things our nation and much of the world is going through right now, many of our family and our friends, they could benefit by knowing that God is there. He's with them and he loves them. You know, now might be the best time ever to invite those folks to be part of Easter. Because folks like that might not ever set foot in a church building, but they might click on to watch a 45, 50-minute service. Easter online. Invite them. Easter online at home. That's this year. We got digital invites available at the website or at the Facebook page. So why not go and send a few of these out and then pray for those folks to respond. Easter this year might just be what so many people desperately need right now. 
This is an opportunity to come face to face with Jesus, the giver of peace, the giver of hope, the giver of eternal life. So let's invite them to join us. Let me say this. We love you and we miss being with you. It's really different in this room when there's nobody in here. We do miss you tremendously. We want to thank you for your continued support. We are so deeply grateful for that. And until we connect again, I pray that God will richly bless you.